Hi, this is the Jenny and Andre podcast. You are now listening to the part two of our conversation with Chen Allen. Enjoy. So, getting back to the sports and performance questions related,、um, talk about quality and quantity of the goals and like sports.、Uh, last time you had kind of hard time defining like what is your goal for training sports and performing well. Well, if I could like re Make this question. I would like say because I think it might be easy for you to answer. It's like, what are you training for? Is there like a reason? What are you trying to train your body for, your mind for? I think like there's there might、mm-hmm. be a. I'm training to get better. That is the the alpha and omega. That's the long and short of it. I want to be better than the person I was a month ago,、uh, a year ago. And、um, it's interesting because I didn't really have, I didn't really think about it back in tenth grade when I was doing these this thirty kilometer thing a day. But it's sort of solidified as I've gotten older and I've, as I've developed this love for martial arts. It's just the idea that I want to be better. I want to do better, and it doesn't mean doing better in any specific area. Because, as I mentioned before, I've done dozens of different, several different martial arts. I just want to take the things that I think are good and use them to mold myself into a better performing, a, a, better, a better version of myself, as you would. How about Andre? Are you training for anything or improving your sports performance for certain reasons? I. I agree with、uh, with Jen that I also don't have any solid goals. I'm trying to just be better than I was before, and there is there is no like. I'm trying to be. I'm trying to apply that、uh, way of thinking about goals that I want to be. You said the goal that you want to constantly improve yourself. That's the goal to be con- to be to constantly improve. Yeah, agree. That as it's like a really. Good goal, goal, and I think I also have that kind of goal, but I have kind of solid, solidified it. If that's a solidified,、right、solidified it in the smart goal. For me,、uh, when I think about good sports performance, a very inspiring person comes into my mind. No, it's not David Goggins. It's actually my grandmama. And <laughs> you're wondering, like, what the hell? Like, why? But my grandmama. Is a very great example of how she has kept her performance so well that even though she's or she's like eighty three or something right now, but she's still like how do you like killing it? If I could say she's killing it. She's it's independent. She goes to gym. She's still going to gym. And by the way, she loves reading books. So she's like almost in his. Inspiration for me is like a self-help guru or something, but not really. But the main thing is that she has taken care of her fitness level so much, and even though she's so old, she still like performs so much better, you know, than some of like youngsters or young people like us. And that's like amazing. Like, how can such old p- Old person still be able to walk longer and you know not get sweat and still go to gym and so on like that's very inspiring to me and I really want to get into that shape or even better、mm-hmm. and that's my goal like when I get older I'm still going to you know kick some ass. Is there any any specific things that she did that helped her to get that condition? 
I think it's just the I don't know what is it called, but just basic movement during the day. Just you know, you don't just sit at home. You just when you go do shopping, you just walk to shop. When you, you do it regular walks, it's very simple. If even an eighty-year-old person can just go walk, then how can you do? Like today, it feels like you have to do very complex sports in order to be in the best shape of your life. But sometimes it's very just simple. You know, I think that it's a really good example of uh, of the goal that when when you say you know I just want to constantly improve my body, for example, because if you have a goal to run a marathon once, then you just do it, and then uh, all your preparation is probably just running or training for that specific mm. uh, event for the marathon, and you do specific training. But if you want, if your goal is to be in a good shape and get uh, uh, and constantly improving your shape then you do those kind of basic activities also in the goal in the mind right where you go mm. you you walk to the shop not to drive a car then you cycle to the your job or you run maybe to your to your workplace because you just want to every every moment you want to improve uh improve yourself because you don't have this kind of specific uh, mm. like set of exercises you want to do yeah Mm-hmm. So implementing it to you, kind of like your whole life, your daily life, mm-hmm. is like really important. Instead of just taking these goals, because I have done the mistake. Though. <laughs> I wanted to add that also. Um, I've I have the experience. I had the experience, especially during tenth grade, that sometimes a. Um, I don't know if you have them as much in Finland, but in Germany there's a very prevalent culture of uh, pensioners, usually um, usually men, uh, getting dressed in lycra, uh, this very tight-fitting sports outfit, and going out on their bikes and just being very, very good at cycling. They go around in packs, and they're quite frankly a little bit terrifying. But <laughs> I explain it. I always, I always rationalized it to myself. If they were passing me, then well, they're pensioners. They've got the whole day to practice, and <laughs> that's a very bad uh, perhaps. Excuse. <laughs> it is a very bad excuse. You're right, but they don't have any of the school stuff and I was I was hauling all of my books and everything on my back so I have lots of excuses but we have the young body and but, we're like we're yeah, yeah. we're in good sh- like we have the potential to be get really fast in good shape That's compared true. when you get old your, your muscle loss is a thing mm-hmm. I don't know much about mm-hmm. it but I have heard about it mm-hmm. no excuses you're absolutely right I should have beaten those pensioners <laughs> <laughs> but it's good to admit like Yeah, sometimes even pensioners beat us. Curses. We need to improve. <laughs> We youngsters. It's not the best motivation I think. <laughs> Getting better so we don't get beat by pensioners. <laughs> well, that's one motivation. Pure motivation. But yeah, it's true. You have to have like a good motivation, like deep down in yourself, like what you do going to do for it. So mm-hmm. yeah to get better and better that's like why goal. am i getting up at 6 a.m why am i doing why am i doing this thing if you have something that you can reach back on if it's intrinsic motivation then it's not easier but you give yourself you can't give yourself the excuses that you would normally i don't know about you guys but i can give myself i can sometimes give myself excuses and very good excuses and i can rationalize it to myself in the moment but in the moment if i have this overarching idea of okay this is this is why i want to do this thing this is why i'm doing this thing then the excuses fall flat 
it's like I recognize them as excuses and I realize why I'm like why I don't want to do this it's just because I don't want to do this because I'm feeling lazy or because whatever and it's not because of the excuse we talked about sports maybe uh, do you guys do you guys think that uh, what you eat can improve your performance oh okay are we now shifting to our third topic so nutrition impact on performance yeah i i do think like isn't like what's the saying that your stomach is your next uh, uh second brain or something uh you are what you eat um the <laughs> yeah. type of fuel, fuel depends uh the type of fuel depends your uh determines your performance the type of fuel de- determines your performance yes absolutely yeah i think like it's really important thing like what you eat because it affects your performance and it affects your performance in many areas of life like let's say sports the state's performance like can, you, can, can you give an example of, of or do you have any examples of how can eating healthy for example can improve your f- performance well i i do remember like in the mornings i would have like this thing i ate um fried eggs uh, fried egg bread every single day to school um and during lunch and like three times a day and i noticed like i did it every day and every time i felt this you know what is it called heartburn like the the thing the taste you get always on your throat that's like one thing but i didn't bother me but i realized later on when i switched to oats which was inspired my grandmama jenny eat oats so you stay on the patch something like that <laughs> every day and i realized oh my god if i eat oats every single morning i i don't have the heartburn and and i was actually functioning so well and my hunger was staying so much better away because also i added some protein powder to the oats but still i like a small thing like that but uh, another thing was like i realized like when i stopped eating um sweets you know bad cravings you, you have but when you eat sweets you just feel so crap and if you eat soda drinks you feel crap like when you're used to eating like now i i don't know if you guys you know plants when you eat plants they make you feel actually quite great i've noticed that and i don't know do you andre agree like if you switch your diet doesn't affect your mood does being vegan affect your interesting question briefly i think that definitely affects uh, the level of energy i have and i i did when i was in russia a few weeks ago or about one month ago i did a test a blood test Uh, in order to to see what is the B12 level is, mm. and it was I think it, it was much lower lower than there should be, so basically I should eat some vitamins probably, and I think because of that it's just my assumption I don't know for sure but uh, I do have pretty often uh, really really low energy I think for the past maybe one two years every morning is a is a battle for me. I have never in in the last two years uh, woke up uh, just feeling you know great and energized and so so it, it 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 I think it's because of veganism but it's also because I I ju- just don't care enough uh, about my body and and my my eating habits mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but 
you know, when we were speaking about performance and, and, eating, and eating, and during the coffee breaks, we talked about coffee also. And I said that I don't feel any any huge energy loss when I when I drink coffee or eating any sugar stuff. And Chen pretty uh, well explained me what is how how does coffee impact? What did you talk about, you two? So, your body creates adrenaline. And um, basically, this adrenaline and the energy that your body uh, makes available, uh, glucose molecules that, that your body makes available for you, um, it's triggered by this pathway, this cascade of proteins or enzymes for people out there who know what they are. Um, <clears throat> that uh, it sets off this chain uh, chain reaction of events that eventually leads to like glucose molecules being set free and your body having adrenaline uh, adrenaline available to it so energy and uh, what caffeine uh, in the natural course of events this pathway doesn't go on forever right we can't just live off of um, high uh, high energy uh, forever that would not be very beneficial to our body because we have limited stores of energy so what our body does it's very smart it says okay uh, after a certain amount of time this is just going to naturally shut off so we have these things inhibitors uh, that prevent certain reactions from proceeding and in the normal course of events this inhibitor would stop this reaction for, from proceeding and would take you off of an energy high what caffeine does is it tricks this inhibitor. It basically blocks this inhibitor and prevents the inhibitor from uh, <laughs> from causing the reaction to come to a halt. So you have caffeine that's basically opening up the opportunity for this pathway, this um, uh, this uh, this pathway to run on over and over again. So um, yeah, caffeine is a cyclic adenosine monophosphatase inhibitor. <laughs> I really hope I'm remembering that right. <laughs> okay, so that very simple um, concept has this been <laughs> working for you, Andre? Is this caffeine working for you? I I, I don't think so. I just and I, it's interesting why maybe. I, I do have an idea. Why? The only thing that I can think of is that. Um, did you know if your brother or your parents uh, have this? Have have anything similar to this? I have never heard that they they mm. would told me something like that. My my guess would be just that you have already a lot of receptors. So we we talked about this in the hallway, and you said you do not uh, drink a lot of coffee um, coffee regularly. If if you did, I would say okay, it's just your body that's putting up more receptors because you're responding. Um, you're like responding less and less to this because you're introducing more and more caffeine to your body. So sorry to stereotype, but when I was doing my biochemistry bachelor's degree, um, there was the phenomenon where scientists would, or, you know, bachelors and master's students would drink a lot of coffee, like five to six cups a day Oof. because they just weren't getting the same effect. Um, and to bring this back to performance, um, I think like it's important to note that caffeine, I see it as a tool mm. and it's something that can be abused as well. Um, if if your body is too used to caffeine and you have to drink more and more and take uh, increase your intake more and more to the point where it's doing more harm than good and I would like to note at this point that caffeine is actually produced by trees as an insecticide. <laughs> you can't, you would, you would die from overconsumption uh, of fluids before you died from, uh, before you died from actual like poisoning from caffeine. So don't worry about that. But I would like to note that it is not necessarily the, the the thing that you should be taking into your body in huge amounts. So it's a tool. Like yeah. you feel more awake when you use it, but the more you use it, the less effective it is. 
basically it's a tool that can help you improve your short-term performance rate. Yes, because after, I think everybody knows the low that you get after you drink a cup of coffee. Well, maybe not you, Andre, but (laughs) (laughs) a lot of people who drink coffee know that there is a period after you drink a cup of coffee, after you've gotten that spurt of energy where where you don't have any energy, where you're feeling like a low because the caffeine's not working anymore. So yeah, if you guys have like any uh, tips for our poor Andre to get more uh, energy from coffee, please let us know. Like, what is the reason behind why this caffeine is not working? Like, Andre is so low in energy sometimes, so poor. So one like is one caffeine boost spike for Andre, please. You know, I have never tried any energy drinks. But I want, uh, but I want to try Not one. Just, yeah, but the thing is that uh, I, I, as I am a vegan, and I also have to check: is it is that what I'm eating or drinking is vegan? Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I think I checked Red Bull: is it vegan or not? And I uh, came up with the conclusion that it's not vegan because the rest, like, is it 100% vegan or is it 95% vegan? There is mm-hmm. also that, that mm-hmm. type of thing. But for me, it wasn't enough vegan, so I didn't drink that. So, but it was, it would be more really interesting for me to try drink some energy drink and, and see yeah. does, would that have any, any effect on me? Mm-hmm. And coming back to, coming back to veganism as well, um, I have, uh, like several members of my family have attempted to go, uh, have attempted to go vegan and it hasn't worked for them because they've developed allergies to the other sources of protein that you generally get as a vegan. So legumes, for example, Um, beans and peas. But basically, I have been anemic, so low in iron my entire life. (laughs) And um, I think that may be, uh, I mean, in terms of nutrition and performance, um, I don't know how well your body absorbs the iron that you get in chickpeas and lentils and beans. Um, so that may also be something uh, that that could be causing that could be causing your low energy. Like iron, uh, iron deficiency is like a major thing if you're feeling low. Um, if you're feeling low on energy, um, I know that a lot of my friends suffer from it, and I think in um, it's, it's especially prone. It, it, people who uh, people who uh, cons- uh, who are vegans are especially prone to um, like iron deficiency. So maybe look into that. <laughs> I, I think I think I checked that. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. But I, I, the same blood test I did mm-hmm. for B12, there were also some iron uh, hmm. metrics. And I think it was normal, but I'm not quite sure. I have to check it once again. Yeah. So I think like when you do a certain diet or if you like know that you have some or like, you know, if you have inherited some of these, how it's not disability i don't know what do you call it but you have mm-hmm. these hard things that you're anemic like it's really important to know like what are you suffering from so you're able to fix like you know you have uh, you're low on iron so and that makes you lower your that lowers your performance so how how do you fix that then i take iron supplements <clears throat> or i eat a lot of liver it's yes it's it's not vegan but it's the best source of iron that i know and i know that Nobody likes liver. I don't think even the chefs who make it really good like liver, but it's very good. How about the supplements? Are those vegan? Uh, the supplements are actually um, are actually vegan. Um, yeah, I think, I think there are t- many types of supplements, and some of them are vegans. Even B B B twelve, it can be vegan, and it 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 can also be non vegan. The thing is that the material itself is probably vegan, but if you're testing your 
pills on animals, then it's not vegan. So there is like yeah. those tiny vegan things. Oh, uh, well, yeah. learn new stuff mm-hmm. every day. Hmm. hmm. So have you guys done anything like in order, like true nutrition? Like now we know what are things that might cause us nutritional problems, but do you have any hacks or things that you do in order to enhance your performance through nutrition? I don't have any hacks and I, I, I would, if coffee would have any attack on me, I would, I will be so happy because I've many, many times I heard that uh, people are using coffee in order to uh, work, for example, the whole night. And I, many times I've been in a situation that I need to do something like uh, till like yesterday, uh, tomorrow with the deadline, for example, or I have an important thing and I would love to work the whole night. But uh, at some point I just really feel like I don't have energy, I just, I'm just sleeping. Mm-hmm. So, and that would be a really nice hack for me. But that mm-hmm. I think even for the people who pull all-nighters um caffeine is I mean I've, I've pulled one all-nighter in my life and caffeine was not a great solution for me so I started off by mm-hmm. drinking coffee but then every time you hit the low you have to drink more coffee so if you have an exam the following morning maybe maybe drink coffee but it's it's not sustainable anyways yeah. it's not something that yeah. all-nighters aren't sustainable anyways <laughs> So you're not doing that on a regular basis, but I think Jenny, you are actually a great example of oh, oh of, yeah of uh, trying to achieve that long term. Oh, thank uh, you. Result by eating healthy every day, right? Yeah, yeah. So everybody has their own view of what eating healthy is. If I could summarize in my viewpoint of view, is that it makes you feel freaking great. And when you wake up, you, you're you just amazed that how do you have energy to feel this great? Sometimes that's about it. And then you have, like, you can, like, see, like, when you monitor yourself doing some sort of performance, like, let's say, sports, you just realize, how do I have this energy and how I'm able to pull this off? That's like when I feel like I'm eating healthy. And uh, yeah, like from surface level, you could say that, well, my face looks nice. I don't have so much pimples. And if I do, then uh, that's also a thing. And why am I why am I he- eating healthy? And why do I want to do that? Well, it's it just makes you feel good and it helps you perform well. And like, let's bring my super big inspiration, Grandmama. So she has been the, let's say this, paragon of eating healthy. And just simply, she's like, she has influenced my nutrition so much or how, like my eating habits, let's say. Um, she always, every morning, like I told you, she would always not force <laughs> eat me porridge yes i did hate porridge at some point but it made like it, it is really good nutrition like it has so much good stuff in it fiber carbohydrates proteins uh what is it well something good glutamate no not, not glutamate but something good still um and yeah, and then she eats a lot of berries. She has like frozen berries in her freezer. She always like says like, Jenny, eat more berries. They're doing so much great. You get C vitamins. Don't even drink just, you know, artificial juices. Eat, you know, whole fruits because, you know, they're more healthy and stuff. And when, you know, she was, she has raised me a lot, as you can hear. And seeing that she has 
been eating so well and how she's acting and behaving you're like damn i want to be like that like if if that works for her then i want to do that by myself and like it's just the way she's alive still even so young i mean old it's just a good example of what good nutrition can do to your performance and yeah but always like take into consideration if you're you know you have al- allergy to oats and you and i say that oats are good don't freaking eat oats if you're <laughs> allergic it's just it's just take example from a real life person who has good has good nutritional have you habits. do you have any good recipes for oat porridge or is it like water and oats or is it to put berry and maybe protein powder or something Uh, I have two recipes. One is is not mine, but first one is a lazy one. I just take one deciliters of oats, one deciliters of milk, and one deciliter of water. <laughs> water, and then I would put like a small scoop of protein powder, and that keeps me going till. You should probably know that you cook the oats and the water and and milk before you add the yeah p- powder. True. Yes. Yeah, I put them in the microwave one and a half minutes because I don't like porridge. I just want them warm. Don't judge me. Then another one is that I learned from Jen actually. So uh, it was like that porridge thing without the powder plus uh, peanut butter and. You'd put raisins or honey if you want some kind of sweetness. Mm-hmm. Credit goes to my parents for that one. Oh, okay. Maybe not the peanut butter, but the uh, the fruits, uh, the fr- cooking the dried fruit in with the porridge, so it kind of makes it makes makes the porridge sweet. Yeah, it's tasty, and it's not. I don't think it's super unhealthy. Like no, not not many artificial stuff in there. I mean. The problem I have with oats is that it's absolutely disgusting. <laughs> yeah, I think I agree sometimes. Uh, I I have, I've been eating oats uh, like the whole time I was studying uh, at school because my mother always like every morning we had we had oats and that was like was cool. And at the point I was also I, I wasn't vegan, so I was drinking uh, and eating those milk products. So maybe on milk it's better. But now when I'm trying to eat oats, I don't. I, it's just so it's not tasty at all especially if you're trying to do it uh, like uh, without any milk or oatmeal I just, I just don't like the taste and now i just prefer any other other types of food even even though i i know the oats is like great especially for vegans that's like probably the, the best and peanut butter is actually a cheat food because it's it's so like it's cool But yeah, hey, it's like not oats are the only option. I mean, like find your most delicious, healthy option and just keep, stick to that. Like, I just found a way to make my oats yep. meal like actually taste delicious, even <laughs> though I all I I vomited. Like I have this puke um, reflex, this gagging reflex. Like my grandma, my yes, she kind of forced me to eat that porridge every day for so many years. But I'm glad she kind of did. Mm-hmm. When I tried to introduce Jenny to liver, she also had the gagging, <laughs> gagging reaction. It's like I tried, yeah. I tried to introduce you to that, but no, didn't work. Well, hey, you have to try. Yes. If you know it might be worth it. Yes, ten times yes. at least. I think um, uh, to the listeners, I think the most important through line here is pay attention to what your body is saying. If your body is telling you, "I don't like this substance," if you are 
if you, if you are feeling bad after you eat it, um, then maybe don't eat it. But the most important thing is that you're paying attention to like how your body is reacting. And maybe <clears throat> if something doesn't taste good, but you feel good after eating it. Like for me, it's um, this uh, it, for liver. I've mentioned already, but also this uh, this dish that my mom makes, um, dandelion salad. It has a very very strong garlic taste, and I don't. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I feel good after eating it. I feel like I feel I feel almost clean. <laughs> like my bo- my body yeah. feels good when I uh, after I eat it, and I feel like I have energy. I feel awake, and. Um, it's just important to know that taste is not always equal to, you know, health. So if something if something tastes bad, that doesn't necessarily mm. mean it's bad for you. But yeah, pay attention to your body. Hmm. So you have probably done like you have eaten in many ways, and I think you you seem like a person who doesn't eat that crap. Like I mean, you probably eat something very healthy. Do you have like, do you think you have had like any healthy habits uh, in our, your like eating mm-hmm. habits, and where do they come from? Um, well, my mom is my biggest inspiration. She is um, essentially the reason that. I eat so healthily because she takes so much time and puts so much love and care into the meals that she prepares. Like, it's incredible how much time it takes to prepare fresh, uh, fresh vegetables. But she, well, she was will- she was willing to put in the time and effort, and I'm really, really grateful for that because she taught me from all of the mistakes that she's made over her life. Um, when she was in college, there was uh, essentially this advice given to everyone to, okay, well, maybe maybe eat a lot of carbohydrates because that's what's healthy. So she did that and got very, very sick for, for a long time. And only when she changed her diet was she able to live live well and live uh, live a life that was comfortable. So I try to take, I try to take, take lessons from that. Um, basically... What you've touched on before, uh, lots of fr- lots of fruits and vegetables, <laughs> lower on the carbohydrates, uh, protein, um, fa- uh, fatty acids, uh, omega three fatty acids from fish, uh, from um, yeah, from from oils, from nuts um, and seeds. So what is it like? We don't know like what is your healthy eating. Low? How does it look like? So what do you eat mm. during the day and how does it make you feel and why do you eat it? Mm. Uh, healthy healthy through the day, like morning would be yogurt with fruits um, because, again, it, it, it's also important that you uh, supplement your gut uh, your gut bacteria with good bacteria. So fermented, good f- fermented foods, um, sauerkraut, uh, kimchi, um, yogurt, uh, I, I don't know, stuff, uh, stuff like that, um, that you include that in your diet. So you're supplementing your gut bacteria with healthy bacteria. Um, lunch, I don't know, just uh, lunch and dinner, a source of protein and vegetables are the most important things. I don't always eat like that. I'm, I'm unfortunately not perfect <laughs> in that regard. But um, if you do have carbohydrates, then maybe something like potatoes that your body takes a while to break down because um, white bread, uh, your body treats it essentially the same way it treats a spoonful of sugar. The Oh, why? The carbohydrates that are inside of um, white bread are very simple. Your body can break them down very quickly. Um, And things like fructose, so high fructose corn syrup, essentially in the process of your body breaking down glucose molecules for energy, 
fructose is one step below glucose in the step of breaking down um, uh, in the step of breaking down glucose. So your body has even less work to do, which is the problem that I have with high fructose corn syrup, which is not so much a problem in Finland, but more of a problem in the U.S. and Canada. So what does it actually mean? Like, how does it affect your performance then? It means that your body has energy on hand at that second. So it's the same problem as caffeine. It gives you short bursts of energy, but if you are looking for a longer a longer burst of energy as long as you have the initial initial burst of energy from the spoonful of sugar or the slice of white bread and then you hit a little miniature low after you, that after that instant source of um, energy is no longer available to your body so have you for example andrea have you mm, felt these roller co- coaster uh, energy lows and highs with your current diet like have you had those first of all i have to say that i don't have any any particular diet right now okay i'm a vegan obviously yes but i mean that there is no any i just eat what i want i don't care about is it healthy or not i just eat what i want and uh many not not many actually yes but sometimes also unhealthy food like uh potato chips and uh, and some lemonade and stuff but uh no i don't have any any lower cost of of energy i just i just always feel a little bit tired oh my god hmm. Hmm. well I, i do feel roller coasters of energy like sometimes i'm just like like sometimes i just like i remember like i told andre i think andre was very proud of me but i chose to eat like 95 vegetarian if i if i can say that so in our school uh, the vegetarian lunch costs so much less than the regular one so i was like gosh i have to eat more veggies than and i i have been eating it. what i've noticed <laughs> when i've ate so much salad and fruits it's just i was like i haven't been even sleeping but i'm still feeling amazing and why do i feel so alive like in the last Month like these things like i i even noticed like wh- why am i feeling this awesome i think that was during it but when you have that like that's like i would say hyper performance in eating like it just feel good and when i eat this unhealthy stuff like let's say i eat the chips i make <laughs> fast noodles um because they are so delicious and addicting um i i Like immediately, I recognize like, damn, this is not good feel. Like I like when you're like a, a good, uh, let's say, car, you have this super clean feel going through. You just feel like, mm, it doesn't like crash or anything. Everything is so smooth. You're driving like, oh, damn, this is so smooth. But then you get this one. I don't know. You put one dirty potato in the <laughs> fuel tank, and you're like. <laughs> That's happening in my body when I eat sometimes those noodles and or eat candy, and then I'm like, um, you kind of stop and you're looking at it like, um, my ride is kind of crashing. What happened? So yeah, I notice those things when I eat, sometimes eat extra healthy, and then I just eat something crap. But carrying on from the metaphor of the car, it's important not <laughs> to trash the car after you put bad yes. fuel in it. Yes. It's okay to throw a dirty potato in the tank sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think that the biggest challenge in eating healthy is that you have to prepare the food, at least for me. Yes. Because if, if someone uh, would like to uh, fill my fridge with a healthy food, just go for it. Uh, I would eat healthier every day, but I just want, don't want to be cooking all day. Yeah. And also, let's come back to the financial aspect, because um, going back to what you said, Jenny, like the reason that you uh, ate more vegetarian was uh, that it was cheaper yeah. at, the, at, the, um, at the cafeteria. So it was kind of coming at it in a roundabout way. So it's not always the easiest option for everyone, especially in non-EU, well, I suppose in non-Finland countries. Um, it's not always the easiest option to eat lots of fruits and vegetables. So... Uh, do the best that you can with the resources that you have on hand and be forgiving of yourself. There are some factors that are sometimes out of your control. Mm. Well, you, Andre, asked like, how, how, like, you see, you seem to think that eating healthy is more time consuming than, I don't know, eating regularly. I, I don't know, like, how hard, I, I'm not, like, doing five star master chef cooking when I'm, like, eating healthy. It's basically, uh, like, for if concrete examples of what I would do, I just do put the O's in my plate, then I put it in the microwave, and then I eat it. That's not so fancy, and so on. How many, how many spices do you have? In your flat. That's <laughs> that's when I just want to eat uh, cook fancily. Um, how do I have how many? I think thirty or more. Something. Three shells full. But yeah, but I'm also a lazy cooker. Even though I have the potential to do something fun, I also I'm very lazy. I just save that for you know I do three to four. But let's get back to it. how do you cook healthy and easy, so you can keep performing well. So the fast porridge is one then a fast snack would be you know you have this nuts i'm having here raisins raisins and cashews here at the studio and that's a very lazy way to you don't have to cook them another third one would be you have bananas eat bananas um, if you want to go really fancy do bread spread some peanut butter on the bread and put bananas damn i, I don't know how much time that should take you but not a lot another way to add healthiness in your a meal is to have frozen wedges. I have broccoli. It costs like one euro and eighty cents kilo, so it's not that expensive. You just put hot water from the uh, boiler or the kettle. 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 Yeah, you just put hot water and take water out. There you got vegetable. If you want to be really fancy, put some salt. Mm-hmm. And that's the important thing is that you make it easy for yourself and you also do things that you're not going to hate. So if you try to force yourself to eat oats every morning, it's going to become a ritual that you hate and that you dread Mm. and that you don't look forward to. It's important to find recipes that you like, foods that you like that are also healthy. And that means experimenting a bit. It means looking around. Maybe for you, um, I don't know, barley is more tasty than what oats. Is barley? Or, um, barley. That's a good question. It's a grain. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or maybe quinoa or I don't know, um, couscous or something something like that. Something that's still, well, couscous is just wheat, so it's not super couscous healthy. Couscous is actually really, really, really simple. Yeah, simple exactly. Something, but it's pretty tasty. But the point is, is that find something that's simple, that's like oats, that has similar, similar nutrition quality to oats and is also similar price if you can and then eat that like don't try and force yourself to do things that you hate um or if you do like weigh the weigh the benefits what are you getting out of this are you going to uh, what are the health benefits of oats and are you going to 
is are the gains that you're going to get out of eating oats every day worth the misery that you put yourself through when you force yourself to eat them? So for Andre me, is crying every morning when he's eating. <laughs> it's just like sobbing over a bowl of oats. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's, I understand, like, I was very lucky that my mom forced me to eat vegetables. So it means that I grew up um, with the mindset that I can eat vegetables because I like vegetables because I eat vegetables a lot. I understand that not everyone's in that position. And I'm also very grateful that she forced me to eat liver <laughs> because it means that I can eat it now and get the health benefits of it, even though I don't like the taste because I know from experience that I feel better after I've eaten it. Like I already have that mental pathway programmed into my head, so I'm willing to make the sacrifice in the moment to feel better afterwards. Um, someone who hasn't eaten liver and doesn't know how they feel after eating liver is just, you know, it's like, why should I eat this thing that tastes like crap? <laughs> Yeah, like Andre has told me many times that, if I remember correctly, that you approach food as a fuel. So yeah. if you don't care about the taste and you want to get, you know, good boost from your fuel, take consideration what kind of effects it can have on your performance. So maybe that kind of makes it easier to eat it. Yes, I think I I, I want to try eating B12 supplements. You know, B, yeah, B12? yeah, just just to just to test it out. Right? Do I have more energy? Do I have better feeling? But uh, speaking about the time, yes, the time is not as important as you have to. Uh, you have to keep in mind that I want to eat healthy. Yes, yeah, the process takes maybe 15 minutes, but I have to think about that. Then I have to when I'm going to science park uh, for the whole day. I just I have to prepare uh, several containers for the whole day right so it's like it's more spreading the focus hmm. well i don't know like yeah everything takes a thought process uh, like if it's something new and you're not used to but what happens when you do it regularly like it's part of your life then you don't have actually to do that process like you can minimize the mental effort for it like you don't have any any other choice than eat healthy like you don't have to always think about like you you need to have this healthy recipe like one simple thing is just to add healthy element to it you know just if you like your favorite food that's not so unhealthy i mean yeah which is quite unhealthy just add something you know healthy elements like you know the vegetables or eat banana after that or something like very simple but if if you're whole meal is already based on health then i see no problem for me it's like if i don't have chips in my cabins cabinets then i'm not going to eat chips because going to the shop buying the chips that's more mental energy training <laughs> it's about um training the right habits because if you train yourself not to look at the candy section if you you do you just go okay i never buy candy i never buy chips i don't keep these things in the house i don't keep these things around me then it's more about the mental process. See, it, it, it simplifies the task. So instead of having to resist the urge to eat the candy or eat the chips in your house, you are making it, self sim you're making it simpler for yourself by not even making that option available to you at home. But yeah, about supplements, I do have to add to this. Like I like before, um, I I didn't care about supplements as much. I was like my grandma, like it just basically have like good. Uh, versatile diet then you should have get all the vitamins from there and there but as a student you don't eat fancy salmon every day i realized like hey besides the vitamin d 
I would now I have started take I have started taking these fish oil capsules, and I don't know why. I think it's apart from the diet change that I've just been eating more clean nowadays. But I think like for me taking those fish oil supplements with D and what what vitamins ever there is, but omega three and stuff like that, it has like make a huge impact on me i don't know like just two capsules a day and i've been feeling a lot more well i don't know if it's the capsules itself or is it the what's placebo placebo effect or what but i was like i didn't even think about it would be those i was just thinking like what have i changed that has made this thing so i had like these two options like either the eating or the capsules and i kind of think that they might have something to do like actually if you have some kind of inefficiency in something you figure that out and fix it that might mm-hmm. I, I i completely agree with that, that that you probably experiment is is really really not a good way to improve your performance and then trying mm. to understand like what things uh work best for me what things that best be, that's the way how can you how you can hack yourself mm-hmm. if i know like caffeine brings me energy short term i know that okay if i have an exam i can do that if you know that fish oil is a great way to just improve overall performance mm-hmm. then you do that but knowing those stuff is important mm-hmm. mm. and it's important to emphasize that these are things that work for us these are things that work like individually for us so know yourself know the way your body reacts to um, to certain tools and have a have a wide arsenal <laughs> know what makes you feel good so how would you guys like approach this thing like you're feeling tired let's say andre is feeling tired what well, what do you guys think like we should do about it like like how do you figure out how to fix that do you have any ideas just uh, well i would say that just go to doctor and do all the possible blood tests and all other tests because in, uh, of course, experimenting with different food is is uh, is great, but uh, there might be just some things that is easier to do when you do bl- the blood test and it, it tells mm-hmm. you really. But it's also important to consider other factors like are you sleeping enough? Have you been really stressed mm-hmm. recently? How much time are you putting in at work? And are you taking care of your mental well-being as well? Those are all factors that can make you tired and can affect your performance that can't be told with a blood test. So what I mean by experimentation is not just um, going out and uh, getting yourself tested, uh, which is, you know, it's it's important. Like, you should know if you're deficient in something. But it's also important to realize that there are many factors at play that play into tiredness. So maybe, maybe you're not getting enough sleep. Um, I know, for example... In, sorry, I'm coming back to uh, coming back to school. But in school times, there were so many people who c- would complain to me that they were feeling tired all the time. Um, and you know, my first question was, "Well, are you sleeping enough?" And they say, "Well, sleeping like seven hours—that's good." But is it enough for you? It's all very well to look online and see, oh, everyone needs like seven to nine hours of sleep and I'm getting seven hours, so that's fine. But everyone needs different amounts of sleep. So just sleep, uh, sleep is one thing that very much affects my performance. I can feel that I have more energy when I get enough sleep or when I've had several days of enough sleep to be precise, because if I get one day of enough sleep after a series of sleep deprivation days, then I am tired thereafter because my body is telling me, okay, I've had one good night's of sleep. Let's keep this going. (laughs) 
Yeah, I was thinking, so, you know, the factor, of, like, what kind of factor the sleeping is. Well, what if you want to find out what kind of factor it is there on nutrition or some eating? Have you done anything that you have tried to figure out, like, what impacts your performance? Yes, I have, actually. I've uh, done elimination, um, elimination tests, um, basically. I don't want to advocate for any tests in particular, but um, I do try to take notice of, I, I've kept, I've kept, a, um, I've kept an eating diary before and tried to note like if I felt tired or if my skin was itchy or if I had stomach, um, if I had stomach troubles after eating a certain thing. Um, when I was, uh, when I was little, I had a very severe anaphylactic reaction to eggs and for the longest time I couldn't eat milk or eggs. Um, and gradually that's, uh, that's become less. I'm now able to eat both milk and eggs, but it means that I am wary of the things that I eat because even things that are healthy, as you said before with the oats, don't eat oats if you react to oats. <laughs> um, so the most important thing is monitor what you eat and monitor how your body reacts to that. If you feel like your performance is low, maybe keep a food diary, um, which again, sorry, Andre, it takes up time. Uh, but also see it as an investment in the long term, because if you're experimenting, if you are uh, taking the time now to note down what you eat, then you can automi um, automate sorry, automate those, uh, those instincts. Say if you react to wheat, then it'll be a couple of months of really annoying process where you just try to, you know, you've got to eliminate wheat, you got to not eat wheat, and you're going to slip up. You're going to make mistakes, and that's okay. But see it as an investment in the long term. The effort that you're putting in now into avoiding wheat is going to pay off in the long term when you don't have to think about it anymore and it can just be part of your daily life that you avoid this thing that makes you feel like crap. So that's really good, good points and uh, you also mentioned sleep and sleep is another thing that I think I don't care enough about because I def I've definitely my uh, the quality of sleep is really bad because i don't even have uh uh the so the open the, the window i have is open there is no any 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 uh how to say cold air no the, the, the sun is just shining oh. straight to my face basically uh so i i just don't care about that it, that's my mistake definitely it's a mistake because definitely uh that affects the level of energy i have but now we're coming to the interesting point is that uh, basically what I'm telling my body is, or uh, you say, you know, listen to your body. That's what basically you are saying. You know, if you feel bad, just then listen to your body and don't do that. But what I'm trying to do is like uh, my body saying, you know, I feel bad. And I say to my body, like, shut up, we keep, keep working. And that, that's, and I think that might be a mistake because that's actually a trap. You think, you know, I, my performance is higher if I do that way, but basically, especially in the long term, it's not. Yeah, and I want to build on that and say that I have absolutely had those moments where I've also compromised in the moment and said, okay, shut up, body, I've got to get this thing done. Like in the middle of preparing for an exam or in in Germany, like when I had two or three exams inside of one week or sometimes multiple exams in one day, you can't afford to pay attention to your body because the immediate issue at hand is more pressing than that. And I can talk all I want about, you know, it's important that you take care of your long-term mental health and not focus on the exam right away. But just, you know, if you want to do well at something, then it's sometimes 
it, it, then you're sometimes willing to compromise on your mental and physical well-being to accomplish that goal in the short term. The only issue is that if it's over a, protract if it's over a protracted long-term period of time, as you were saying, then it, overall it is detrimental to your health. And it's, I'm, it's, it's really good that you, re that you recognize that. And I just wanted to say that mm. I do the same thing. I sometimes compromise on my health because I want to accomplish something. But it's about the overall trend, right? We were talking about overall trends before. It's about seeing improvement over the long term and not recognizing that the short-term goals are not the way that you're going to get better over long, long periods of time. Yes, but also when I was listening to Y Combinator podcast on Spotify, and I think it was Sam Altman that uh, said that, I, if, I, I'm not sure if, if it would the words, but uh, I think there was a question from the audience and the guy asked, so what if I have burnout? Like, how do I keep working? How do I keep building my startup if I have a burnout? And the answer was, you just like, don't notice that. You just keep working and then you don't, don't pay attention to that. And I think it's it's quite common in a startup, startup culture that you, no matter what, you just keep working. And that's why I think uh, we have heard stories when scientists also, they just eat super unhealthy and they just do the like, deeply working uh, and without caring about food and social interactions and other stuff. And then yes, they are maybe socially weak persons. They, they cannot talk to other people maybe, but because because of the focus on the mm -hmm. uh, certain, certain thing. So what are your priorities then? Yeah. Not, not, not necessarily a question to you, but what is the thing that you're trying to accomplish and what are you willing to compromise? What are you willing to sacrifice to get there? It's it's something that every individual person has to decide. It's not something where you can go and tell somebody, okay, um, it's wrong of you to sacrifice your uh, your health to accomplish this one goal. If I, yeah, <laughs> it's mm. different. But yeah, now we are starting to prepare for this another topic. So we are going to probably switch the how do we prepare for good performance because we have different views on how we should do that. So let's talk about that, shall we? So we have talked about what good like performance does to you and sometimes why we aim to do that like how it shows in your sports how it sh like how nutrition affects it mm, how do you guys like approach this thing then how how do you prepare for good performance then because we have been talking so much about it otherwise well that certainly depends on the type of performance we have right uh if we're speaking about let's say some musical performance uh then you just probably practice that certain piece. If you are speaking about pitching, you practice, uh, well, it, my way is just memorize, but also there is a questions, right? So you trying to uh, think, think about like what probable questions there would be so I can answer them. But yeah, just, just that depends on, on the type of, of, of performance. What, what do you mean by, by how do we prepare for what kind of performance? So it's you can choose like what is your in your opinion in your opinion a good performance or a task that requires good performance and how do you prepare for example pitching? I would say just just hard training, which means that spend hours and hours practicing. 
Mm. Uh, there is there is there is a pretty pretty simple recipe for that. Just, just practice a lot. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> yeah, and you uh, you told about something like you think beforehand um, about the questions. Did I? Yeah, sure. Yeah, isn't the, that's almost like visualization? Like a uh, very important part is visualization. Like, what is the performance going to look like? Uh, what kind of difficulties questions are going to be like. And I think this applies to a lot of things like, you know, martial arts and music. Do you agree, Jen? Um, certainly. And with music, um, I take a very different approach to preparing for concerts and preparing for um, speeches. Essentially, I might run through the piece once or twice beforehand, but if it's something where it's not very technically difficult, then I... Uh, For example, um, with street music, it's not such a it's not such a high stakes performance. You're performing for random people on the street, and there's no pressure on you to make it sound really excellent. But I like losing myself in the music there, and the way that I prepare for that is I just play the pieces once or twice, and then I play them on the day. Um, but going on to sports. Um, Performance in the sense of performance, as in how well you do a thing, uh, for me has always been about pre passive preparation. Like I, I mentioned the bicycle riding before, um, before, like I was technically training my whole life to <laughs> lead up to this, uh, lead up to this uh, performance of bicycling 30 kilometers a day. Um, but in another, uh, in another area, hiking. Um, when I completed the Duke of Edinburgh Award, uh, to those of you who don't know what that's about, it's essentially an award that requires you to complete a certain number of hours in community service. Um, it's like action, service, and uh, creativity or something like that, different areas. And you also, the, the award culminates in a hike or a bicycle ride or a horseback ride if you're from a really rich school. <laughs> We did the hike, but essentially you had to um, plan and execute a, what was it, a four-day, yes, four-day hike um, for the highest level of the award. And this was something that I did not train very intensively for, but I did practice hikes, and I had been training my whole life, essentially, for this hike because I enjoy hiking because it's something that I like doing. And for me, if I prepare for something um, somehow acknowledging that there are high stakes involved makes it harder for me to train. It doesn't motivate me. It demotivates me. Um, hmm. And I understand this may be very different for people who are highly, highly driven, high, highly competitive. Um, but for me, the easiest way and the most fun way to prepare for something is to just do it and not to think about the competition or the thing involved itself because that's actually when I start thinking about all the things that could go wrong. Um, so if I had thought about the the Duke of Edinburgh Award and thought, oh, wow, this is actually a pretty high stakes thing, I would have just freaked out. I would have thought, oh my God, what am I doing? I can't, I can't hike, oh, what was it, 80 kilometers in four days. That's insane. With a 15 kilo bag on my back, I'm never going to make it. But I didn't think about that. I thought about, okay, cool. I get to go on a hike. <laughs> Not thinking about the distance. How do I prepare for this? Well, I prepare, I'm prepared by doing this, this, and this, and this. So that's the similarity. I am thinking about what I have to do to prepare for it, but I can't I almost can't let my think myself think about things that go wrong in the sense of that they might go wrong because then I'm thinking about things that go wrong and not about the not about the event itself. 
yeah, like prepare yourself. But if you're like over preparing by overwhelming yourself with the scary stuff, that would just exactly. ruin your performance. Exactly. But I like that he's told me just just go for it. I'm I'm just going to have a good fun hiking trip. I don't think about it. <laughs> don't think about it too hard. That's actually pretty interesting because my way is probably be as prepared as you possibly can meaning think that all possible like things that might go wrong and prepare for them have mm -hmm. all the answers you have research <laughs> like like <laughs> so deeply that you 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 know everything about that so yes uh, yeah. but have you over prepared ever ever uh, what do you mean by over preparing if you mean that's feeling stressful because of the fact that there are so many things that can go wrong. No, I have I never feel that way. I just, yes, I, that's the fact that many things can go wrong. That's the fact. But in the best way to resist that kind of stress and that kind of overwhelming is to just prepare for that and be, I don't know, I, I like that mindset that just go for it. Yes, it's cool and definitely it's uh, really, really enjoyable. But uh, the thing is that I don't know. I, th I feel, for example, when I'm trying to, when I'm preparing some pitch, let's say, or stage performance, what I usually do after memorizing the whole text word to word is uh, trying to uh, use a mirror, right? I just perform many, many times in front of a mirror, and then I try to to find those uh, most, uh, how to say, powerful gestures. For example, most powerful. Where, where are the where are the places for pauses? So, mm -hmm. so I can oppose it to emphasize some word or some sentence, right? So those are, it's, 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 it's really technical for me. Some pre preparation is really technical. And I feel that's, that's the way to achieve really high performance by really paying attention to all those tiny, tiny details. And that's actually how you, be, how you become an expert. Because just doing something without trying to analyze, right? trying to improve every single detail, I don't think... Yes, it's, it's enjoyable and it's really cool. But if you're trying to be a high-performing like person or a, an expert in something, it's I, I cannot, I don't, I, I don't believe that you can do that without paying attention to all those tiny technical details. Hmm. Well, I do think like if you really want to strive, like ultimate bestest performance, yes, you have to prepare yourself a lot. But what I was thinking about, like, sometimes you can go overboard. I have done it many times. Like, um, I would have this small, tiny project I have in mind. Then I just overthink, overanalyze, over... Um, I do so much plans, plan A, B, C, D, and so on. And then I realize that uh, I'm not going to make this. Then all the preparation goes in vain. And this has happened sometimes. But sometimes I get really lucky and I use that. But that's like... And sometimes when I over-prepare, what, what I mean is I overwhelm myself. Like maybe one reason, like at some point I start a bit, okay, this thing is not going to work. So I'm not going to do it. This scares me off or maybe something like that. I I don't know what kind of example I'm going to give you away now, but that's like briefly what I think over uh, preparing might do. Um, I was really I really like the how you told me about how you prepare for pitching, like what is your type of preparation. I have to add like another way of preparing pitching. So sometimes before my own performance, in many things I do visualization. 
I do self mantras or I'm like I literally am bullshitting something to myself and secret so me and Andre pitched uh, last year in Bolku uh, pitching competition um, I heard like it was very scary the pitching competition I was like really scared about it because I heard about this but I wasn't like prepared for it beforehand I literally went like five minutes earlier to ask like hey is this competition what like is there any competition competitors and it seemed like I was able to you know join in there and I was like yeah how am I going to win this thing and it was really stressing I heard like how my um, competitor has this amazing powerpoint he has this amazing idea of VR classes and I'm like no way I'm going to pull this (laughs) off what I would do in that emergency situation I was literally when we had the pitching um what is ref- referee Timo Rohio he explained you know how the pitching works I have never pitched in my life during the time I, I did not even know what it meant literally but I was so scared I was trembling and I did mantra I was there I told myself this whole time for almost every minute before the actual performance I'm going to beat this guy I'm going to eat this guy alive I'm going to have the bestest performance I'm going to bullshit my way through this I'm going to improvise this I'm going to freaking kill this guy but I would smile you know be nice and kind if you remember but I was just having this <sighs> my Napoleon complex be like I'm going to yes so I visualized I just mantra my way through it and somehow it says you know I was able to pull off that pitch uh pitch my first pitch it wasn't that great but I think it could have been worse I'm not going to say like what happened it but just the thing that I was able to pull something off from without really preparing that was the and another thing I think you sometimes sacrifice with over preparation is the organic quality of the performance itself. When you are improvising on stage, it's important to have, again, sorry, music again, because it's the mo- thing that I have the most experience in performance. It's important to have those hours of practice behind you. But if you over, over prepare something, then I think it has, I, I, think, I think it has a stilted quality to it. It doesn't feel as authentic. Um, And I don't know how I feel about TED Talks. I sometimes feel that some of them are very good and they still have that organic quality, even though the speaker has rehearsed and rehearsed and memorized every um, every word of their speech. But some of them don't feel as fluid and natural. So I understand that to become an expert on something, you absolutely have to research it and uh, see, see everything in the tiniest detail. But if you over practice a performance and performance in the sense of you know actually performing in front of an audience then i feel you lose some of that authenticity um so that's a good point but think about an actor do you think about your favorite uh movie do you think that the characters there are looking unnatural because if if i think about my favorite movie or even with my second favorite movie or something like uh the wolf from wall street and the when uh, the Jordan Belfort were trying to pitch something or trying to present something, that, did that look unnatural? No, it was freaking because amazing. Because they practiced to the point of it actually looking natural. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the point. Yes, then you, you practice that, 
so hard. For example, when when at the point when you try to when you can automatically uh, produce right. that, I have a counterpoint. Then, I have a counterpoint for you. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, go, go for it. it. All right. So, um, do you know there are a lot of moments in TV that have been improvised? Yeah. For example, in Lord of the Rings, when um, Aragorn or Viggo Mortensen kicked a helmet and broke a toe on the helmet because it was much heavier than he expected, and he turned his scream of pain into a scream of anguish at having lost his friends, and that is. For me, that's just something absolutely brilliant where something unexpected happens and you're still able to weave it into your performance. And that couldn't have been practiced. That's not something he couldn't have broken his toe like on set per, um, beforehand. And then <laughs> I broke my toe every every Monday. You know? that's, that's absolutely true. But the thing is, you know, I see that as something. The thing is, he was able to react that way and turn that into really nice improvisation because he learned those skills, right? Because he had those skills. Without them, without being an expert in in in, in uh, acting, he, he wouldn't be able to do that, right? So I, I completely agree that uh, you, improvisation is great and sometimes uh, it's really, like, it's, it's great. Sometimes it's not, sometimes it's great. But uh, even... Improvisation requires you to be, uh, like, mm-hmm. good. Somehow prepared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 somehow prepared, yeah. To have the basis level of skills so that you can reach the point where you're able to improvise. Yeah. Mm. Mm. But yeah, I, I do get it. Like, like it's really hard to improvise if you have no skill. Like, I, I could believe, like, if you put me, like, I have emphasized many times that I haven't always prepared well and I have improvised on many times. But if you put me put me uh, on a violin concert stage and you're like, okay, Jenny, improvise this thing, I would be like, um, nah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, would, I would sing poorly because I'm not able to play violin. So if without any preparation, I wouldn't. You, you wouldn't be able to improvise anything. So you do need some kind of level of um, uh, preparation to do that. But what I also see that sometimes, like, like even TED Talks, I can, I do agree, like sometimes I feel like they just, uh, they're like robots. They are trying to convey the feelings they are feeling, but then it doesn't feel real, authentic. And that's the thing that I'm scared of sometimes over doing something like a pitch like I've noticed like when I've tried to do a pitch or you know repeat it and repeat it what comes like in my pitch the power comes from the authenticity like the feelings that I'm going through but it's very hard to go with the same feelings over and over again like in in my case the first take it's almost the bestest if not, or the second. But then if I go like five, ten times, then I, it's hard to keep that same enthusiasm like in the pitch because I'm the type of person who's just very, very emotional when I speak. So if I repeat it, then it's kind of, in my case. I see, I see that as in acting. You, you, yes, you do have your own feelings, but you also kind of, how to say, you produce feelings. And, uh, yeah, it's like producing feelings is really important. Like it's like it's just when you repeat, sometimes it's just producing those feelings become harder. When you get, if you become a really good actor, 
then you, I guess it's easier. Or does it actually mean that these actors are able to not fake them, but they're actually able to pull these feelings off? Like, is mm-hmm. it fake feeling what they... I heard about that technique, yes. You, you can turn one feeling into another or mm-hmm. trying to... If, for example, you are playing Sam, your dad, and you lost your daughter, for example. If you have some similar experience of losing somebody close to you, you can end up trying to utilize that experience in order to produce uh, some some acting performance. But the thing mm. is, and you mentioned the touch that uh, had uh, some, that f- uh, that felt unnatural. I think that it's, it's just a sign that the the performances were underprepared, just, just simply under preparation. Yeah, that might be the case, one of the cases. I think TED Talks are a very specific example as well because they have very, they have standards. They have, uh, they have, you know, things that they need. They have requirements that they need um, TED Talkers to fulfill. And I don't, I don't know. Do you, uh, you probably know more about, uh, more about this than I do. You mentioned the book before. Well, no. I I don't know about the TED talk, but I I'm I know that me and my friend uh, I don't know if you know him, but Andre we have this <laughs> bit where we're kind of looking forward to uh, do a TED talk one day. Hmm, I was thinking, how should we prepare for that? Like that's the thing. Like I don't know anything about TED talks and how to prepare for them. Like I, I heard read the book. I can give it. A, we can put that in, in the description. But the book is absolutely amazing. What's the book name? I mentioned that earlier. It's uh, I I can link that because I don't remember. It's it's a TED Talk something like the official guide to TED Talk something like that. But I will uh, give you a link. Okay. It was an absolutely great book about uh, not specifically about preparing a TED Talk, but preparing but about preparing a, any types of. Uh, performance or being on stage they were really great ideas and then there of course there was like you have to really automatically you have to remember something that like you can automatically uh, like play back that and uh, yeah of course and there actually was a go- also good points about the the main things the, the main thing or two main things probably are first one is that you have to produce value for this that's the first mm. thing meaning that you have to use any every second of the time you've given. So if you have 10 minutes and you, for, let's say, underprepared or if you're trying to improvise and you don't know nothing about the topic, basically you're not bringing any value to anybody. And when you're trying to pack your experience into 10 minutes and that's hard, hard work, mm-hmm. then you actually bring in value. And pitching is the same for me, right? I have five minutes to presents my idea to pack that idea and I have to utilize every single second and that's why I uh, prepare that hardly because I want to utilize every single second if I'm trying to improvise there is so many like um um, and pauses because you don't know what to say you're trying there's so many doubles you you just repeat same same thing many times and you probably lose some points for example in pitching you just uh telling you can tell or whole five minutes you can tell about the the idea you know i have just great mobile app and that's like we do have a mobile app and that's kind of no taking app and you just describe the idea but in pitching is also important like what is the market size right what is the actual problem what why are you different what is the competitors so also you can just forget about those things if you want to rely on improvisation and that's why it's important because that's uh Really, really hard preparation. It helps you to bring the most value. Yeah, I I get it. Like, if it's really hard to bring value first without preparing, like for example, like 
preparing, for example, could be like, what is my audience looking for? What is the value they're looking for? What are podcast listeners are looking for? So if I kind of neglect, you know, figuring that out, that's poor preparation. Then I could make a Uh, TED talk about hey I I like blue cars and <laughs> I would rant about blue blue cars for the <laughs> one hour and that doesn't bring any value even though the the uh, performance would be very good but because you ne- neglect the preparation then yeah hmm. hmm but you can prepare for good performance in many ways it like it can be like uh, substance uh, substantial preparation okay that's the wrong word for it but also there are many other ways of preparing i think like sometimes you can just chill and what i mean by like in sports like if you want to improve your performance yes you got to train and break your muscles you tear down your muscles but also you need to recover because recovery is essential for better performance i would go to sauna i would eat well and chill and have fun sometimes and then when I do the training I'm like in back in the health do you have anything similar kind of things recover activities yeah so you kind of prepare for better performance later on I I don't have maybe really really uh, how to say hacks or tips that I use or techniques any specific techniques but the best way to recover or to set uh, a certain mindset for me is listening to music probably because music is, is really when i listen to some uh actually good music which means rap uh i really feel like some energy boost that music mm. actually that that's the life hack for me <laughs> so I, if, you, if i want to have a huge energy uh, energy load i just listen to certain type of music and Why does it actually work for you? Like, what are you going through when you do that? It's hard to explain, but yeah, I, I don't know. You just—it's just hard to explain. It's hard to explain. But you listen to that, and you somehow feel that energy coming through your ears and then through your brain to your heart, and you're like, and you just—I <laughs> I think I was—I uh, found these three amazing music tracks uh, in—I think it was yesterday or the day before—and. I listened to these three tracks yesterday for one hour. It was just repeat, same tracks. And I was kind of, oh, dancing, dancing. Andre is dancing here. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but yeah, that, that's music. For me, it's music. Recovery um, and, and energy boosting. For me, it's um, walk, walking. Not listening to music, not doing anything, letting my mind run through the processes that it needs to run through. It's like, uh, it's kind of like sleeping where you're not, letting your brain do anything in particular but you're just letting your thoughts flow um that for me is like a reset if i'm just walking for i don't know an hour two hours usually where there's little noise little distraction so it wouldn't be in the center of a city if i can it would be outside not close to anybody just walking or walking in the woods or walking uh walking along a pathway where there's not much going on that would be a recovery slash brain reset for me and sleep i've mentioned sleep before but sleep's also very important for me to be able to reset after a after a after a stressful exam season or whatnot um yeah and then another thing i do to reset my brain after a stressful performance or after a <laughs> exam season again um is to clean 
and that's another activity where I can just shut my brain off and let my uh, let let my instincts take over because it doesn't require any brain power to cl- to clean. But usually after a stressful after a stressful preparation for something like an exam, you let other things pile up. So like you were talking about before, Andre, you um, you make compromises on uh, on your uh, body's health. And then I reset by then prioritizing my health and prioritizing my well-being. And part of that involves making sure that the living space I'm in is clean and, or- and, and orderly. And that just makes makes me feel better. It just makes everything feel right. That sounds like something some meditational practice or something like do you do do you uh, practice any meditational like things i wish i did but i have never been i have never gotten into the habit um i can't speak for meditation but i hear it does wonders for other people i keep saying i should start it <laughs> what about either of you do either of you meditate mm, i tried but it, but i still I, i think i have done something like very close to your type of mindfulness like i think like if it's not meditation that you're looking for for resetting you can do that walk for me it's sometimes writing for somebody is listening music i really like that idea of how you kind of try to research reset yourself to perform better because let's think about it's like computer if you have like crappy old computer sometimes it, it starts lagging and it's not working and you have too many windows open what do you do shut all of them close it maybe put it in a charger and when you open it it's like a clean reset and that's thing that we, we humans should do as well because like decluttering your room is important so you don't bump into the shit that's piling up it's also the same in the mind as well like imagine if you're going to perform tomorrow you're going to have this amazing talk amazing performance you're going to have this fight if you declutter yourself you're going to give yourself a fresh start you're not going to bump on those things so you're able to um, uh, stand from your bed tomorrow that day morning without worries if you know that would be the most optimal thing so resetting is really important to kind of perform better in my opinion yeah i i've tried some doing some meditation previously and yeah i don't do that regularly but i remember the effect and the effect is pretty good you oh. know you see you you actually you actually feel that your mind has been reset i think if i'm just walking I I cannot stop thinking about work because I every every second I think when I'm not talking when I'm not watching when when something is not actively interacting with my brain like if I'm watching YouTube videos or serials that's a strong interaction with because I'm I'm in the story right when I'm trying to fall asleep that's the one reason why I do watch serials just right right before sleep or use my phone right before sleep because when I'm alone with my brain I cannot stop constantly, for example, designing the mobile application or thinking about the practices we should utilize in order to increase our user base or something. I cannot stop thinking about work, and I think it's a good thing, obvious, uh, like for sure. But it's just uh, some kind of uh, thing I have to <laughs> overcome. What another thing is that, or actually, I have a question for you because I just came up with that. So if if someone said you, you know, uh, if someone invited you to to have a TED talk, how many How much time would you say you you you, you need? 
That's a really hard question. Um, if I would do a TED talk, like say what, how many minutes the TED talk would take? Eighteen. Eighteen. Hmm. Like, <laughs> like plan one would be yes. Give me the title. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but how many? How many time? How many weeks? How many months? How many hours? You 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 would say you know I need that amount yeah, of time yeah. in order to okay. prepare good. I try to calculate it by myself as well. So I was like I would think about the um, the topic. Does it ring any bells for me? Like uh, does it have the values that I really care about? That would take like a lot of time. I would even think about it weeks. But if it's like very clear thing, that then I can skip that. But preparing for that, hmm, I mean like. I would I would say like at least ten hours. I would go if it's a TED talk. I and somebody actually feels that I I would give some kind of value. Then I would prepare for that. Like I only do, I only under prepare only if you know it's like nobody. I think nobody really cares. But if somebody's asking me to do that, then I would over prepare. So plus ten hours. How about you, Jen? Mm-hmm. <laughs> if Question: would... If someone were to tell me to give a TED talk. Well, the pr- first thing I'd probably do is read the book that Andre recommended. I would do the same. <laughs> well, again, it depends. Is it is it a subject that I'm already familiar with? Is it something that I know a lot about? How much research do I have to put into this um, into this topic? Is it something that I can speak from the heart about? Um, what are the expectations on me as a TED Talk speaker? Because that's something you have to recognize as well. Because uh, you may not have the freedom in the performance to. Um, to do what you'd like if there are certain expectations on you for, as the giver of a TED Talk. So, hmm, how much time would I spend? Weeks, probably. <laughs> I'd probably run it through several drafts, send it to people that I knew and trusted, and uh, really try and prepare the best um, the best that I could for it, get lots of out, um, external opinions on it, uh, make sure that what I was saying made sense to people, and that I'd give practice talks. Well, how about if we're gonna swing this question back to you, Andre? How much would you prepare for a TED talk? At least six months, I would say. Oh, just in order to to think about it, to analyze, to do research, to prepare the speech, to practice the speech, to get feedback on speech, to practice it more, to tune it. At least six months. Hmm. So you would really care about it. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. Ambition, mm-hmm. ambitional guy here. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So we have gone through a lot of practices for preparing for good performance. We have gone probably like short term, for example, caffeine. I don't know, take five minute meditation, but and then long term practices like if you do. Mm, I don't know the thirty kilometer biking every single morning. That's a, like a really long-term boost for your good performance hmm and nutritional like how much it affects your performance and so on so we have prepared now for good performance so what does good performance looks like in general now if we don't have to do it like you know you know in sports and just generally what good performance is in general the last topic For me, it means that the person loves what they do and that you can see that inside of their performance, that they love what they do and that they are, if they're not communicating with the audience, that they're communicating with their fellow performers and that they are expressing themselves through this. And 
I would say it's probably relevant to pitching as well. Of course, again, I'm only talking about music here, but for me, a performance is so much better, and I can hear it in the quality of the music as well, if the performers love the piece and they love what they're doing. And yeah, I think that I think that love of the subject matter of whatever it is that you are putting on display is very important to bringing across a good performance. I would say that a good performance to me is uh, the first, the most important thing is does it bring value or not? That's the first thing. True. And then uh, I would agree that is it natural or not? Because if if I'm trying to perceive the value you are trying to to give me, right? I want it, it, the form of that should be enjoyable. Because if you're if you are listening to some lecture and it's boring, you I don't care. It, it has to be enjoyable to to perceive that. So, and uh, the next question is how can you achieve the level of naturalness, right? The, the first the first way is just to be yourself, not to not prepare, improvise because that's natural. Another way would be just uh, prepare it so well that it feels and looks natural, right? But yeah, I would say that it's it brings value to me and it's enjoyable to to perceive. Hmm. Yeah, one thing that I also want to add to general performance is when you want to get better. I think you just need to start doing it. And kind of hope that if you know when you get get all already the reason why you should do it and it feels good and you have to get the joy out from it, so then you start doing and you know how to prepare for it. Just start doing because I think it's like very important because I think like improving your performance early on is like investing. It's like a compound interest. Like when you start doing it early on and just keep going on, it just gets better builds up up the kilometers the um the pitching times you get better you you improvise better and later on when you maybe sometimes 80 years old and you have performed very well and you still keep doing that then and you keep kicking ass that's very cool i would really like to strive that kind of performance that it just keeps going and builds up until mm-hmm. i get old and Yeah, I'd like to also bring back your grandma into this um, because you mentioned before that it wasn't that she was doing, you know, super hardcore workouts every day. It was that she was being consistent about her performances and mm. <laughs> about her performance in sports. I think that's also the most important thing is overcoming the barrier of I can't because that's what's stopping a lot of people is like, well, I, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. Um, I can't bike 30 kilometers to school every day. That's insane. Nobody does that. Um, (laughs) but, uh, not to think about that. And for me, like the best, the best performances I've ever given have been when I haven't thought, thought about the, I can't, when I haven't even let it factor into, um, my preparations or my, my performance itself. So Yeah, just being consistent in what you do. So even if you can't do very much, that you do that little bit consistently, and that you keep doing it, and you don't get don't get let down, don't get get discouraged by, you know, lack uh, lack lack of progress or feeling like like you're not doing enough. Because if you push yourself too hard, that can have the opposite effect. 
you can get discouraged and think, okay, well, I've been pushing myself so hard. Why isn't my body getting stronger? And then you, if you take a step back, you might realize, oh, I'm not giving it any time to recover from these serious workouts I'm putting it through. But if you don't take the time to step back and evaluate the process of preparation for performance, then you lose the, you lose the ability to evaluate the quality of the work that you're putting in. Yeah, it's just everybody can perform well. Like we nowadays, we do have stress. Like we see these hot go core guys, g- girls, gals, things, and so on. Like everybody has so nice af- achievements. Uh, a five-year-old kid can play violin better than you. Somebody has been running ten thousand days. Uh, in row and so on like we can always compare our performances on everybody else's but it was really good that you brought it up like everybody can perform just just like let go of the guilt of or believe that you can't and reflect like reflect on your performance so you can later on perform well how do you feel andre you know generally about performance Uh, yeah, we mentioned already already really really good things that I don't think I have anything new to add. But yeah, be consistent and analyze performance, prepare well, and then prepare well again, and then prepare and then prepare. <laughs> maybe then ask feedback and then prepare, and then you might have just maybe good performance, but we're not sure. So yeah, yes, cool. Yeah, but also enjoy the performance you're doing yes yeah, right. yeah definitely <laughs> <laughs> but yeah thanks guys this was amazing talk we have been having yes sir. Uh, it was uh it's really it's really it's, it's really amazing that and i think that it was so so natural the conversation and we already have we, we, we wanted to share that our experience and it just felt so 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 cool yeah mm. thank you both so much for having me on here it was a delight to talk to both of you and hear your differing uh differing opinions and uh hopefully pass some helpful tricks and tips on to the listeners and uh maybe uh maybe you'll implement one of these maybe maybe you'll implement all of them <laughs> who knows <laughs> But you've heard the different techni- techniques and the ways that we go about preparing for performance and how we try to enhance performance in our everyday lives. So we hope that you got some value from this conversation. Yes. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, you've just listened to the third episode of our podcast. In this episode, we talked about performance. Sharing our experience of being on stage or practicing martial arts, we discussed methods of improving our overall performance. My name is Andre Potekin, and I co-host this podcast with Jenny Mesit. This episode is special because we had our very first guest, Jen Allen, joined us today. Performance has played an important role throughout her life, and we had a great time sharing our experiences. Find links to our LinkedIn profiles and other useful resources, such as the book I mentioned during the podcast, in the description. If you want to hear more about challenges, motivations, and sources of inspiration, check out our previous episodes. Thank you for listening. Keep working.